Good evening and welcome to the Joe Bean Show. It is 24 November 2015 and tonight on the Joe Bean Show we'll be talking about how to survive the holidays, particularly when you're going through some kind of a marriage crisis or just a bad situation. It's tough. We understand that. Now, if you'd like to talk to us, and we'd be happy to talk to you live tonight on this program, you can call us at 646-378-0424. That is 646-378-0424. You can listen on your phone if you just want to call that number and listen. That's fine. Or if you wish to talk to us, you call that same number. And if you wish to speak, when you hear that opening menu, when the phone answers, you press the number one. That lets me know that you're out there. That lets me know that you actually will be speaking to me. Now, I can see if you're there otherwise, but I don't have the ability to talk to you unless you press that number one. Now, even though we'll be talking about the holidays and those things involved in that, we certainly will be glad to talk to you about any subject that's on your mind concerning marriage and relationships and those kinds of things, because that's what this program is about. And as we begin this program, we have Kimberly Holmes, who is the Executive Director of Marriage Helper. Good evening, Kimberly. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing very well. Thank you. And when you set this program up, I'm sure you had some things in mind. So why don't you start us off by talking about the things you had in mind when you did? Well, the holidays can be a hard time in general, even if nothing is going wrong in your marriage. It, it's a time where, although it's supposed to be happy and joyous, there's a lot of stress that comes with it. And um, if there's been loss in the family in the past, then that can be particularly harder during this time of the year. And when there is marriage, a marriage crisis or marriage trouble or just problems with your marriage going on at this time, it just seems to to amplify and make it seem so much worse because you are going to parties, you are being invited to things and you're seeing family. And a lot of times family will ask questions and they'll be a little bit intrusive. So they might ask you how your marriage is or where your spouse is or what happened, Um, a bunch of different things like that. And also, you know, if you're invited to a party and your, your family doesn't know that maybe your spouse moved out, how do you approach that? How do you say, you know, my spouse won't be joining us without raising eyebrows from family members? And then um, so there's those situations. But then there's also if you and your spouse are separated and you have children and you're having to split children maybe for the first time during the, the holidays, having them go away to another house for a few nights, being with you for only a few nights, that can lead to even more loneliness and and just make it harder during this time of year. Those are the kinds of things that we know that people are dealing with. As a matter of fact, you may be dealing with things even more than those that you might want to ask questions about or bring up or talk about on the program. Kimberly has done a good job of, of uh, bringing up some of the things that we know that you're facing. So let's go ahead and talk about some of those before we start taking calls. So how do you deal with family? Well, there's going to be two categories of family here, the people who do know and that during the holidays won't know quite how to act around you because of the fact that they don't know what to ask. They don't know what to say. Some, some mercifully will just be kind and warm and friendly and enjoy visiting with you and not make it awkward at all. Thank God for those kind of people that have that kind of wisdom. Others will be so awkward because they don't know what to do that they'll wind up kind of avoiding you if that happens 
here's a suggestion. Don't take it personally. It doesn't mean they don't like you or love you, that they're, they're not on your side. What it probably means is they just don't know what to do, and they're, therefore they're being awkward. If that person, that if you're some some family gathering and a person who knows that the marriage situation is in trouble and who is being awkward around you, if you like that person, you go talk to them and be just friendly. Talk about other things. Be casual. Be warm. Be friendly. And that will relax them to be able to do the same. If you don't care about them, <laughs> just ignore them and avoid them. Now, others will be people who want to ask you all kinds of personal and private questions. If they're the kind of people and it's the situation where you feel comfortable talking, then do so. Yeah, just open up and share. But be careful that you don't throw your spouse under the bus. You see, we call that poisoning the well, and then something's easy to do by, because you're hurt, you're upset, etc. And it's easy to say, well, you know, my husband's having an affair with this terrible woman that he works with, or, or my wife is just being this terrible, evil person right now, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're going to be saying those kinds of things about your spouse, you're probably just going to make things worse for a couple of reasons. One is it's going to make you feel a whole lot worse about the situation. It's not going to help you. So we suggest you don't do that. Another is if these people hear those things, they'll repeat them. And when they repeat them, it'll get even worse. And it'll get out there into the atmosphere, into the ionosphere. It'll go and go and go. And some of that may very well get back to your spouse. And that's not going to help anything at all. And there's another thing about that. If you say those really negative things about him or her telling some of the things that he did or she said, if you at some point eventually work your marriage out and you and the person, your spouse comes back home with you and puts the marriage back together, these people are still going to remember those terrible things you said about him or her. And it's going to create some difficulty in future relationships as a couple with that person or those people. And so while you can talk about things like, yes, I'm lonely, yes, I, I know my husband's gone, and especially the top of the holidays, I suggest strongly that if you feel comfortable talking about those things with somebody, do. But do not tell them about the details of what's going on to the point that you actually poison the well about your spouse, because that's just going to come back to bite you. Now, another question, though, is going to be, what about those? What about those who just don't know? I'm around them, and as Kimberly's already said, they'll be asking questions like, well, where's your husband? Where's old Charlie? Why is he not here? Oh, hey, wait a minute. Where's your wife? She's usually at these things. As a matter of fact, she usually brings the turkey. You have to make a decision at that point what you're going to do, and you probably should think that out in advance before you go to any holiday gathering, whether it's a small gathering of just a few friends and family or a larger gathering. That if it's going to be this uh, situation or case where you anticipate that somebody is going to be asking you why your spouse is not there, my recommendation, now, as always, you do what you think is best, but my recommendation is that you do not lie. It doesn't serve anybody when you lie. I, I just think that the truth wins out. But you can tell the truth without telling everything. What I mean by that is this. You can just simply say, uh, we're going through some things right now. We need to sort out. And, and of course, the other person is going to react. Sometimes they'll just get very quiet. Sometimes they'll start to pry. And if they start to pry, say, hey, I don't know. We're working on it. I don't want to talk anymore about it now. Let's have fun at the party and just go on. Now, that would be my recommendation how to handle it. If you choose to lie and say, oh, Charlie, uh, well, he's having to work late tonight. If you choose to do that, that's your choice. You live your life. But I think those things come back to bite you later. Plus, why not be honest? Be honest, though, in a way that doesn't invite a whole lot of 
pity and doesn't invite a whole lot of questions. Just be very forthright. Don't don't start to cry. Don't fall apart. If you if you can if you can control your emotions, I understand that's easier. That what I'm talking about is easier said than done. If your emotions are involved, I understand. I get that. But if you can calmly with your head up, uh, we're having some issues. We're working through those things. Right now, let's just concentrate on this party or this gathering and have a good time if you can possibly do that. Okay. Now, what about the kids? Kimberly brought that up. Okay. Maybe, maybe you're going to have to split some time with the kids. And usually you've been all together as a family on Thanksgiving or all together as a family on Christmas. And now the questions are becoming, well, with whom do the kids spend Thanksgiving or do they spend half a day with me, half a day with you? What about Christmas? Are you going to see the kids on Christmas? What about the day before the day after? And those things are difficult and they're going to be painful to deal with and they're going to hurt. And I'm not trying to minimize that at all. And I really feel for your pain. Many years ago, and Alice and I split up, we actually, it was 1984 when we divorced. We as the story goes, as those who know us would know, we remarried each other in 1987 and have been married to each other since. So we, we've been married many, many years, except for those three, we were divorced. And during those three, it was difficult about where do the kids go? What do you do? How do we spend the holidays? Those things are just tough. Let me make some suggestions that when that happens, if you can try not to think so much about your pain, but if you can focus on the children and their pain. So. Don't make them feel bad. If they're saying, oh, mama, I don't want to go over there. I want to be with you today. And and the court has already decided, or you guys have come to an agreement where, well, half of the day you're going to spend with your dad and half of the day with your mom, those kinds of things. Try to encourage your children. I understand. I love you. I'm on your side. And, and I'll see you again tomorrow, or I'll see you again later tonight, those kinds of things. But try not to make the child feel bad that he or she or they will spend some time about the other spouse. Because if you do that, you're just going to make things tougher in the future for your children's lives. I mean, I know it's tough on you, and I understand that. And I'm so sorry for the pain you're going through. But please do your best to not transfer that pain to your children. And so don't make them feel bad about what they're going to be doing about spending some time with the other spouse. Instead. Instead, just encourage them. I love you. I'll be here. I hope you have a great time over there. And then the time that you do have with them, make the best of that that you possibly can. I mean, not sitting around feeling sorry for yourself, not having a pity party for you or for your children, but based on whatever money you have available and if the budget's tight, you find for your things that are less expensive or free to do. If you have more money, you can do maybe a little different kind of thing, but you can think of things that you and the kids can do together. Like, you know, let's, let's go for a walk on this hiking trail up here. That's a great thing to do for the holidays or, Hey, let's come up with some things we can make grandma and grandpa that, that you kids actually make. And if we can't think of something, let's get on the internet and Google it and find things that kids can make for their grandparents. And so rather than feeling bad and the kids feeling bad, make the best of your time together by spending it, first of all, together, being very involved with them, but not just sitting in front of the television, very involved with them doing things that are appropriate for their age and that can help them feel better and and enjoy the holiday and enjoy you. That's an important thing to do. Now, if you're thinking about, wait a minute, wait a minute, aren't, aren't family traditions important? Actually, they are very important. Well, we can't do our regular family tradition because we're not together anymore. 
I'm, I'm so sorry. I really am. And I know that that hurts. And if that's the case, if you can't do the family traditions you've done before because of your marital situation, then get creative, if you will, and think of a new family tradition that you can do with your children. And it may involve your parents or your siblings. It may involve involving your kids with, with their cousins. It may be, it may be do something really special and say, okay, kids, here's a new family tradition. This year, this year, what we're going to do is find out somebody who is in need and based on what resources we have available to us because we may not have a lot of money or whatever, but based on the resources available to us, this new tradition will be, we're going to find a family in need or some kids in need or some situation like that. And together we're going to figure out what we can do for them. And we're going to all do it together. And by the way, let's do that every Thanksgiving or Christmas for the rest of our lives. As long as we live, let's make it a new tradition. And so rather than lamenting the ones you cannot do now, how about starting some new ones? And all of this, of course, takes work. It's not magic. It's not all of a sudden just popping your fingers together and saying, ah, this is amazing. And it's not going to immediately change your emotions. It's not going to remove all your sadness. It's not going to give you all of a sudden this amazing joy that just permeates you and takes over and just lifts you out of the chair. But, but it can make it a lot better so that you have fewer negative emotions. You spend less time sitting around thinking about all the bad things. And so, well, as a matter of fact, after having said all those things, let me give you um, four specific suggestions and then we'll start taking calls. Number one, don't focus on what you don't have. If you sit around thinking about, wow, it was so wonderful and good when my husband was here or when my wife and I were together, don't focus on what you don't have. And now it's a little different situation and I'm not trying to say it's the same thing, but at our age, all of our, I'm talking about Alice and me now, all of our children have grown and, and of course we have the grandchildren and every once in a while around the Christmas season, I get a little down in the dumps because I think about when our kids were young and small and how I'd set up late on Christmas Eve, putting together the things that we'd hidden before that had to be put together like a bike or whatever else it was. And how exciting it would be on Christmas morning when the girls would come and drag us out of bed before I was ready to get up because I'd been up till three o'clock putting things together and then watching the sheer joy on their faces when they opened those presents. I could let myself get really down in the dumps thinking about what we don't have because they're now grown. They've moved away. They live on their own. But, but here's the happy thing. Rather than focusing on what you don't have. And again, I admit what I just described is not the same as a spouse being gone, not the same as having marriage distress. I'm just trying to make a point or an illustration there. But instead, be thankful for what you have. So rather than focusing on what you don't have and getting depressed and being down, think about how wonderful things are. I mean, our daughters are all amazing. Our oldest daughter, Angel, is mentally handicapped. She lives with us. And so we still get to do the fun things with her <laughs> on Christmas morning. And, and you'll never see anybody get more excited about like getting a new Grinch doll, for example, than Angel. She's so happy and easy to make happy because she's just a little girl who lives in a woman's body because of her mental handicap. Our daughter, Joanna, and her husband, Lee, and their children, Jacob and Tyler, I mean, they don't live too far away. We're close by. And, and I'm so proud of how wonderful and big a heart our daughter Joanna has and the life she has and the family that she has and her children and so forth. And, and our daughter, Kimberly, 
who lives out in Texas, married to Rob, who is a captain in the army and, and how brilliant she is and all the wonderful things she does. And so rather than sitting down and feeling sad about what we don't have, when I get to feeling those, and sometimes I do, I remind myself about the wonderful things we do have, how we've been blessed to have the children we have. Now, with you, it would be like, okay, uh, what should I think about? What positive things do I have? Well, if you have children, think about them. If you don't have children, think about the friends that you have. And if you're thinking, I don't have any friends, not at all, my guess is you could if you wished to. And think about the fact that if you still have your health, if you still have your life, if you still have a place to live and food to put in your stomach, you're so much better off than so many people in the world. And so as we had uh, Tina from New York on with us last week, who was talking about positive thinking and positive living every morning or every day, write down five things that you do have that you're thankful for. And don't let yourself get into the negative of thinking, I don't have this. I wish that was this still the same way. But think on the good things that you do have. And then focus. We've already talked about this a little bit. But focus on doing something for someone else. Now, it could be something that you and your kids do together for someone else. If you don't have kids or if your kids are grown and not living with you or whatever, it could be just something that you do for somebody else. You know, when you're really helping other people, who honestly need help in some fashion. Like if you go down and help serve at the rescue mission, or if if you uh, find out from your church, tell me about some some uh, little old widows that might be awfully lonely. And I think I'm going to go by between the Thanksgiving and Christmas period. I'm going to take at least five of those that I'm going to go see and visit and take them out and we'll have coffee together. Those kinds of things. When you're really focusing on other people and how to bless them and bring joy into their lives, it's a whole lot harder to have the pity party for yourself. So focus on doing something for somebody else. If you're saying, I don't feel like that, I understand. But it's the things that we do that can definitely affect the way that we feel. And so by doing good, positive things for other people, even if they don't feel like it, it can actually help you feel better. Oh, and here's the last suggestion before I start taking calls. One way to get past the holidays and not be too negative and too depressed is to start planning 2016 right now. You say, what do you mean? I don't think I have any control over my life at all. My, my husband's left me or my wife has left me. My marriage is in turmoil. My kids are upset if you have kids I, or I feel all alone. I'm living by myself. Nobody understands. I understand. I understand that it's very difficult to think about the future when you're mired up in the emotions of the present. But if you can start thinking about next year, saying, OK, let me pick three things I really want to accomplish next year. Now, these are three things that I can accomplish, whether my husband or wife comes back or not. I hope he or she does. But these are three things I can do that will benefit me or my children or my family or the world or the church or whatever else. And and so, okay, I think I'll start on my, I never finished my bachelor's degree. There are some places out there where you can do it online now and you can finish in a year or so based on where I am. I think I'll start that and make that one of my goals for 2016. Or, or I think what I'm going to do because of the fact that I've allowed myself and my pain to eat a whole lot and I've gained a lot of weight. I think I'm actually going to lose that weight. And here's my plan starting January 1st. I'm going to do this. And, and not just those things for you, although those things are important. But also then things you can do for other people like your children, like your your parents, like the church, people out there. But planning next year and starting to think more about 
how I'm going to do that. How, how can I make that happen? What does it require of me? What do I need to get together? What do I need to learn? What do I need to, to focus on? What do I need to do? And when you're thinking about the future, not in the sense of just a wish, I wish this would happen, but in terms of a focus and a goal, I'm going to make this happen, something that I can measure, something I can keep up with. Now, I know that sounds like something out of a self-help book, but listen to me. I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. And if you do those four things I just said, not focusing on what you don't have, but being thankful, that's number two, for what you do have, and three, focus on doing something for someone else, and then four, start planning for next year, you can get through these holidays, also with the things we've already talked about concerning your children and your family and the parties and all those kinds of things. You can do those things. Now, those are the general principles. Let's go ahead and take some calls and see what's out there. Hello, area code 580. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Are you there? Area code 580. Hello? Well, I'm hoping that Hello? Are you there? Oh, yeah, there you are. I can have a first name, please. That's fine. I can have a first name, please. This is Hope. I've spoken with you several times. Uh, um, how can we help you tonight? Well, thank you, first of all, for taking your time. I'm so sorry for your loss. And I, I'm grateful for everything you do for us. Well, you're very welcome. But, um, thank you. Well, my husband is the one that um, he is with his ex, and she is the one that lost the little boy in February, um, five months older than our son. He was He's 11. Um, so he's still with her. We think that he might be coming through the limerence a little bit. I've had a little bit of positive reinforcement that he's agreed to wait on talking anymore about the divorce um, until after the holidays. Um, that's a plus. And he's also agreed to talk uh, to think more about Dallas, which two weeks ago he would not. So mm-hmm. we're gaining ground there. But Good. where I'm really struggling is, A, because of the holidays and my birthday falls right in the middle of it. Um, mm. But with the loss of her son, this is the first year. Part of me believes that maybe this is why he's with her, and we even had this conversation, is getting her through this. Um, that's kind of why I believe he's ended up with her to begin with, is the protectiveness and, and previous love for her. They have a, a daughter and grandchildren. I don't know how to do this. I don't, I don't you know, it, as much as I want to, hate her and pull her hair out by the roots. Um, I'm, I knew this little boy too, you know, I love her mm-hmm. grandchildren too. Um, mm-hmm. I know he's like tonight, he came over to see our son didn't stay very long because she's having a bad time and I'm struggling between, between our issues and between how to stay positive that we're going to end up what we're supposed to. But the fact that it's dragging him back in because she needs him so much because of her loss. But he can't fix that, and that's not his responsibility. And I don't know how to get me through that and to get him, get that across to him or to help him with that. You know what I mean? You may not be able to hope. First of all, I'm I'm so, so sorry for your pain. I I really am. I can hear it in your voice. I, I hate that that's happening to you. There's a thing that happens with some people 
that goes along with limerence and actually can outlast limerence. What I mean is it can actually continue even when the limerence is over. It happens more with men than it does with women. It can happen with women, but it happens, at least in my experience, it happens a lot more with men, where they, they develop a sense of responsibility for the other person. Now, I know that we'd look at that and, and I understand what you're saying. Hey, that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is your, is your marriage and your child is here. And I would agree with that. I would say, yes, that's where his responsibility is. But we're not talking about logic. We're talking about emotions. And in, when a person, and particularly a guy, but when a person begins to feel responsible, like I need to take care of this situation, I, I need to be the one to fix that, then logic doesn't get them out of it. And they're sitting down and saying, but this is not your responsibility, doesn't change the way they feel. You don't, you don't defeat emotions with logic. You know, emotions are emotions. Now, right. I would understand that, uh, you know, because she lost a child last year. And, and by the way, I hear empathy in your voice for her about that. And I think that says some really good things about you. Well, and that's what opened us up to this is because we helped with that. And and I mean, I've known this woman is almost as long. His, her sister is what got my husband and I together. You know, we've <laughs> been in an extended family for 20 years. This boy <laughs> is five months older than my son. You know, we were all disappointed. We spent, we all spent Christmas together last year. Mm-hmm. because of our grandkids, you know, and right. then two months later, she's lost the son. And a few months later, he's walking out the door to be with her. And part of that, it all opened up because I'm taking right. care of grandchildren. I'm taking care of her other daughter that she isn't capable of kind of really helping with. I'm filling in in places and in, in a so way that I, I hear, wouldn't have. What I hear is that you're a person who, who goes, who reaches out and helps other people too, but that's part of who and what you are. It's what I'm hearing you say. I, I am, I'm, I'm a huge caregiver and, mm-hmm. and I'm also the one that even in school, I was the one that stood up for the mm-hmm. kids that, that everybody else picked on or found a way, a right. reason why it's okay to, you know, right. and I will I forgive and, I hear and move on I hear beyond anything. Right. I hear that. Yeah. Therefore, understand what I've said earlier about the fact that, that as you describe it, he feels some responsibility for helping her get through the holidays and et cetera, et cetera, right. et cetera. That does make this a whole lot more difficult. And again, and I'm just bring a little redundant now, so forget the redundancy. But again, I would agree with you that his responsibility is to you, to his marriage. But we're not dealing with a logical situation. We're dealing with an emotional situation. Therefore, I would hope that if you can, and I know this is tough because this is very painful, but if you can try to hang in there knowing, okay, he's, he's not an evil man. What's driving this is misdirected, but at heart is because he's, he's a man feeling responsibility. And therefore I'm going to take some hope in the fact that that, that goodness part of him in there at some point is going to wake up and go, wow, I, I, I can't just be here for this woman. And what I really need to do is to go take care of my own family. Now, you right. can't make and that happen. I can't make that happen. Nobody can make that happen. But you can pray for that to happen. And, and as we talk about in our courses, as we talk about in our online articles on marriagehelper.com, as we talk about in these radio programs, uh, these online radio programs and, and our podcasts and et cetera, you be the best you you can be. And I know it's right. going to be tough to get to the holidays. 
If you didn't hear the first part of the program, you might want to listen to this later, either on yeah, marriageradio.com or iTunes Marriage Radio. And and I suggest you try those things just to get to the holidays because and I'm okay with, with, with him that, feeling right? that kind of responsibility, with him feeling that kind mm-hmm. of responsibility, he's definitely not going to back off of that during the holidays. It's going to become even no. more intense. Therefore, right. that means and that I agree you with that. have to. You have to be the strong one if you want to hang in there through the holidays and and do that because this during this period he's not gonna get any better. And and yeah, more my said, question well. Yeah, more my question is how do I help him with that feeling and as we move through this for him to feel more okay about understanding that that, that he can't fix everything. Because yeah, I, you can't. I mean, I, I am very empathetic and I, and I, we had this talk the other night and he said, I can, I can see myself happy with either one of you. And which is something he wouldn't admit a month ago, but you can't convince him of this. This is an emotional thing. He's got to work through. So therefore you become the person that you need to be. You be as strong as you possibly can be. You, you do the things we talk about, like the pies, the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, you do all those things. But you're not going to be able to change him on this. You're not going to be able to convince him differently other than to be strong, to be loving, to be there. And at some point, and we may need to talk about this a little later, after the holidays, at some point, maybe drawing a line in the sand. But I would recommend that you not do that now, not during yeah, this holiday the holiday period. Time. Right. Well, I've got yeah. a whole lot of but other things. Any words of encouragement you can suggest for him? That's kind of what I'm, or any that's ways just, to that, encourage that's him. That's what I'm, that I'm trying to tell you. Do what you I'm doing do and be there. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to say there, there is no magic formula about what to say. There really isn't. Okay. And, and to the holidays, if I were your in your shoes, to the holidays, I would, uh, I would not push anything. Now you do what you think is best for you. No, but that you we're just leaving it holidays, away. That's what he said he'd do. We're just letting it be. Right. Okay. Hope. Well, you take care. I've got Thank other colors to go so through. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you kindly. Okay. We're going to area code 218. Hello, area code 218. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hey. Um, How are you tonight? I just really wanted... I'm sort of okay. <laughs> sort of okay? Give me a first name I can call you tonight, please. Martha. Okay, Martha. You say kind of okay. What's going on out there, Martha? Um, I don't have any really specific questions. I've been... I mostly want to get in the drawing. <laughs> Is a half off. Oh, <laughs> um, well, you're in the drawing now, so good for you. Okay. I guess I just, um, there was one thing I wanted to ask that's kind of specific, or my husband said a lot of times that he doesn't feel, he doesn't feel like I deserve better. He says I deserve better than him and I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you respond to that? Well, I can't tell you exactly why he's saying that. And I can tell you why a lot of people say that, but I can't tell you this is specifically why your husband says that because I mean, I don't know him and, and, and therefore saying, well, when he says that he means this, I mean, I'm not God, I can't do that, but I can tell you what often is meant when we hear that from one spouse, when they say you deserve better, it often means that I don't feel like I've treated you correctly. I think I've, I feel guilty about what I have done or am doing. And, and I see you as being a better person than I am. And therefore I say you deserve better. Now that's typically what a person means when they say that understand though, it also would, some could be kind of a way of, of trying to just get you to move on. You deserve better. 
And so I can't tell you yeah. exactly why he's saying what he's saying. I really can't. Um, but so you are at least still having communication. To that? I think it's probably maybe a combination of the two. It might. Um, it very well might. So what do you say in return? He wants me to move on, but because he, he can't face it, what he's done. Very possible. Otherwise, so what do, what do you say, Martha, when he says that? What do you say? Um, I probably have said different things. I'm just kind of having a facing moment here. Sometimes I say that's not true or um, I don't care. I want that you I. I love you and you're what I want, or sometimes, I don't know. I mean, I say different things, okay. I guess, okay. kind of whatever comes to mind. <laughs> well, welcome or to the human race. sometimes I just say, well, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Or I don't... Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Hey, welcome to the human race. We all, you know, sometimes say different things. You know, let me give you a suggestion as to what to say. When he says you deserve okay. better than this, uh, I would suggest you consider responding in a twofold response. One is, yes, I do. I do deserve better than what's happening to us right now because I'm a good person. I'm not perfect, but I'm good. And so, I, yes, I deserve better than what's happening right now. And the second part of that is I want you. And that's what I would love to have is you the way we used to have it. As a matter of fact, better than we used to have it before. And I know that, that the person that you are inside is the person I want to be with in my life. So, yeah, I deserve better than what's happening right now. But you must understand, I want to be with you. I know who you are inside, and I think we have a good future together. That kind okay. of an answer. Does that and sound then, about right? Yeah. Okay. That makes and then sense. what, Martha? And then what? Um, other times he says things like, I just lost my train of thought. Um, kind of along the same lines, like, or you shouldn't love me, or, you know, you shouldn't want me, mm -hmm. kind of thing. Now, typically, now again, I can't tell you exactly what he's meaning by that, but typically when a person says that, that's because they're feeling shame. Let me tell you the difference in guilt and shame in the way that it's looked at in the psychological world. Guilt is, I'm doing the wrong thing, and I need to fix that. That's a good thing. We like that. Shame is like, I'm no good. I'm scum. I'm bad. I'm evil. We don't like that. Because typically when a person starts thinking of himself or herself that way, like I am, I'm worthless, I'm evil, I'm bad, I'm, I'm, I'm bad news, etc. When they think of themselves like that, they tend to wind up living like that. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so when we hear somebody say things like that, we would typically hear that as being not just guilt, but shame. Like, I feel so bad about what I'm doing. Now, again, I don't know him, so I can't tell you if that's exactly what he means. I'm just saying that's often what it is. So if it is that then the kind of response will be something like this. Well, what you're doing right now is not good. You see, if you, if you make it appear that what they're doing is good, then they're not going to hear anything else you're going to say. Because if he just said, uh, you shouldn't love me, if he just said that, and you say, oh, yes, but you're so mm -hmm. lovable, then he's not going to hear it. He's not going to listen to it because he's thinking, you, don't, you didn't hear what I just told you. I'm telling you I don't feel lovable, so don't tell me I am. So if he says something like that, you shouldn't love me, you can look at him and go, yeah, I understand. Right now you're doing things that are not very lovable, but I know who you are. I know the heart that you have. I know the man that's inside there. I love that man, and, and I haven't given up on him at all. So what you've just done is you've acknowledged his feelings that I'm doing terrible things. You don't blow that away. You acknowledge it. Yeah, I get it. What you're doing right now is bad. I agree. But then you say, but I know the man inside there. 
I know who you really are. And that's the man I love. And I know that man's still in there. I know that man's still alive. And so you acknowledge what he feels. You didn't deny it. You actually gave empathy mm-hmm. to it. And then, and then you pointed out that you're seeing something that he's not seeing right now. And that's the way I would answer it if it were I in your situation. Okay. This was the, along the same lines. Um, he said things like, he's questioned me repeatedly over the past couple months. Do you really believe we can make this and we can have a marriage? And I've always just answered and said, yes, I do. I have complete <laughs> confidence that that's the case. Is that mm-hmm. just the, the right way to respond to that? Sure. I think that's good. I think that's really good. Uh, what I might suggest that you add to it is, again, the thing I've already said. So forgive the redundancy. Because I know the man yeah. you really are. I know what's inside of you. I know that man. I love that man. I believe in that man. So that you're actually giving a reason for believing it. And okay. at the same time, not giving any justification to his behavior right now. It sounds to me like you're doing pretty good on this, Martha. Um, Not always. <laughs> But is that a good well, time that he's asked saying those things? Yes. I think um, I would take hope in those things. If it were I, I would, yes. Even if he's very decided and intentional about his actions going the opposite direction? Like you know, he, he wants a divorce at the same time and he doesn't mm-hmm. like he doesn't want to leave his kids but he wants a divorce and he, right. you know Now I'm not saying that those things are definitely gonna turn him around, the fact that he says those things but I think as long as he's saying those kinds of things to you and, and you actually can have conversations about it, that's a good thing. That leaves a door open for hope. Now, does that mean he's necessarily going to turn around and necessarily come back? No, I can't promise you that. But yeah. it, where you are is a whole lot better than a lot of other people who are listening, who are, who are thinking right now, as you say, that, man, if even I could have just that kind of conversation with my husband or wife, I'd be ecstatic. So, I would take hope in it if I were you. It it may not work out, but I would take hope in that because he's talking to you, and I think that's a really good thing. In my opinion, that's a really good thing. Okay. All well, right. Well, you're in the drawing, and the drawing's going to happen oh. next week. So, uh, <laughs> it, is that for the December fourth, or is that for? It could be for the December fourth thing. We actually uh, we draw at the end of the month. Now, since this is actually the last program we'll do this month, we may, if we can get around to it, because all the things are happening right now, I'll, I'll try to get the drawing done tomorrow. And if so, then it could be it could be used as early as the next workshop, which is starting December the 4th, or it could be used the next month's workshop, or I think even the month after that. In other words, I don't think it has to happen immediately. I think we offer it to okay. you, and you have a little bit of time to... Uh, to use it. I believe I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. I don't run the organization. (laughs) Sorry, I just was wondering, I don't know that we could even make it the first, but I would love to, if that would. Understand. Kimberly, are you still in the line out there? Okay. Kimberly's already gone off the line. Kimberly's actually our executive director and she could answer the question. Okay. Kimberly, did you hear the question? She says if she, if she is the one who is chosen in the drawing, how long does she have to actually use that? You have a year. Oh. Oh, wow. How about that? I didn't know that myself, so I'm glad I learned something, too, tonight. Okay? And I'll do my best. If we can possibly make the drawing happen tomorrow, because this is the last uh, program of this month, if if time allows, we'll get the drawing done tomorrow, and Johnny will know who it is, and Johnny will make that call pretty soon. Now, I'm not promising that, so if you don't get a call tomorrow, don't think I didn't. I, my name wasn't yeah. drawn. It may be next week before we get to it because of all this going on with the holidays, and and um, also my, my wife's uh, brother just 
died. And so on top of all the holiday stuff, we're trying to, uh, you know, be with family and do the funeral. And so it's, it's pretty busy right now. Okay, Martha, thank you for calling. All right. Thank you. Okay. Have a good evening. Okay. And now we're going to area code 205. Hello, 205. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, Joe. Hi. Hi, Give me a first name, are please. you here? I'm here. Uh, can you hear Heather? me? Heather? Yes. How can we help you this evening, Heather? I was just calling to um, to see if you had any suggestions on on trying to stay mentally um, present on uh, on holidays. Um, mm-hmm. I know I can tend to zone out mm-hmm. um, if I'm not engaged in a conversation or or something that's keeping my attention. How do you suggest um, avoiding that um, and, you know, letting the the thoughts and concerns regarding marriage um, issues, you know, take over? Okay. If if later, if you wish, you can go to either marriageradio.com or go to iTunes and subscribe to Marriage Radio, and you can listen to the first part of this program where I spent about 20 minutes talking about that at the very beginning of this program. Now, four of the principles that I gave, and I won't describe them as much in detail as I did in the first 20 minutes of the program tonight. First of all, first of all, don't focus on what you don't have, because that's the easy way to really zone out or even get down and have a pity party by thinking about, well, I've got this problem. My husband's not here. I don't have this. I don't have that. So number one is don't focus on what you don't have. But instead, number two, make a list and Focus yourself on being thankful for the things that you do have. I mean, if you have your health, that's a good thing. If you have children, that's a good thing. If you have friends, that's a good thing. And and then number three, focus on doing something for somebody else, because when you're really busy doing something for other people, particularly people who need things, it, it takes more of your brain power and it keeps you from zoning out as much. And then number four, and again, this is explained a whole lot longer and better in the first part of this program. Number four is, Start planning for what you're going to do next year. Now, actually start working your mind toward what am I going to be doing in 2016? I'm going to make those things happen. Now, I realize that by saying those that fast and that quick, it goes like, wow, that sounds like a self-help book. But I hope I hope if you go back and listen to the first part of the program. So okay. but it sounds like you've got more of a question here. No, I mean, well, it's, I guess I, I work with my therapist a lot because um, she wants me to focus on mindfulness and mm-hmm. – um, because there are times, I mean, I can be driving and I like completely zone out mm-hmm. um, and my mind then just starts to wander. Um, mm-hmm. And so I guess, the, you know, the if there's a suggestion on if that does start to happen and how to bring myself back in um, mm-hmm. into, you know, being with family. Because I, I fortunately have family I'll be with on holidays. Um, so, so I'm thankful that I do have that. But I know there are times, um, even when I haven't had problems with my marriage, that I've I've zoned out just, just you know, out of exhaustion, um, mm-hmm. being overwhelmed with the holidays, and um, and I just know my mind then, yeah, just kind of will go wherever it wants, and I'm, I'm sure it would go to to you know concern about my marriage. I understand. Uh, when I have read the work out there about mindfulness. 
you know, there's research on mindfulness. I read that. And then I read some of the people who are like the uh, alleged gurus when it comes to mindfulness, like I can teach you how to do this. And interestingly, I was reading on, on some of those the other day, and they were saying that even though they practice, practice mindfulness intently and teach mindfulness to others, that sometimes their mind still wanders off and they zone out. So I think that's human nature. So first of all, okay. I don't think anybody reaches perfection. But if, you, if you've been studying mindfulness, and by the way, a couple of programs ago, we actually did a program on mindfulness. So you might want to find that on iTunes at Marriage Radio. Is that, okay. that when that starts happening, and your, your therapist has probably told you this, then you start focusing on something physical. Like you start focusing on your breath or a sensation right. on your skin. And, and that can help bring your mind back into focus. Okay. Um, yeah, I've, I've been terrible. At, I've been terrible at practicing it. So um, <laughs> I just know with with everything coming up, I know I'm more likely to be challenged. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it happens, just you know, even if you have to leave the room for a second, like excuse me, I'm going to the restroom, go in there and and right. and, and say, okay, I'm going to focus on my breathing for the next thirty seconds just to get my mind back in focus. Um, Interestingly, there was a book. It's out of print now. As a matter of fact, I, I can't find my copy. I had it years ago. And it, I'm going to have to find a, find a used bookstore or something. It was a book that came out back in the 70s, I think it was, 1970s, called Alpha Genics. You ever heard of that by any chance, Alpha Genics? I haven't. Most people haven't. It's out of print. <laughs> okay. But Alpha Genics was a book that came out that was actually a book teaching you how you could relax yourself. And and by relaxing yourself, take more control over your brain power and your thinking. And I used to do that back in the 1970s and actually got really good at it. I'll tell you how, how effective it can be. I actually burned my hand one time in the fireplace. That wasn't that wasn't a third degree oh. burn. Don't think it was like, no, don't think it was like <laughs> I was going to the hospital. I just mean, you know, it was just, uh, the thing popped out and, and it hurt. And I used the alphagenics method to totally relax myself. And make it stop hurting. And it never did hurt again. Now, it didn't heal instantly. I'm not talking about a miracle. It still had to go through the process. But it was a, it was a thing of harnessing your mind to where I actually was able to overcome that pain. It didn't hurt anymore. That's why I want to find that book. <laughs> That's what I was able I to do back in the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody there listening has a copy of Alphagenics, I'll buy that from you. I want to read that book again. And then... And, uh, uh, because it really helped me. So if you can find that in a bookstore, and maybe they've reprinted it by now. Maybe I'm just not looking in the right place. But mindfulness is great. If you can find alphagenics, it may be great, great too. But you're not going to do it perfectly. Nobody does. Trust sure. me. Sure. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay. You're very welcome. You have a good holiday. Thank you. Okay. Okay, we're going to area code 702. Hello, area code 702. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, Joe. Um, my name's Dave. I, I was actually at your workshop, and I was the one that didn't make it through it. Uh, oh. Came in, and yeah, we didn't make it through it. I'm sorry. And, um, you know, but my question is, um, you know, I, I'm for sure getting divorced. I, I, I'm pretty much set on that, but... Um, hmm. You know, actually, Jeff actually sat me down and it's like, you love your wife? And I'm like, yes. He's like, well, you're getting divorced. And he goes, you better do it quick. And I was like, kind of like, okay. He's like, because you're a doormat right now. And she sees that. So, you know, his approach was, you know, really got to just detach, you know, which is tough. 
my point is though, we we took that trip and and we had such a good time together in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just like, I, I can't believe we can have this kind of time together, but then, you know, we can't figure out how to get this to work. And, um, I guess it's just one of those things, you know, cause she really needs, she needs this. I mean, she just at this stage of her life, she needs this. She knows I don't want it, but she needs it. My point though is my question is I'm trying to detach and I need to detach, but then she invited me to Thanksgiving mm-hmm. to go out with, go out with the family, you know, for Thanksgiving dinner. And I, I, I said, okay, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, was that, was that a wise move? You know, did uh, you want to go? Yeah. Then yeah. Why not? I did. I, I guess I'm understanding. Uh, uh, of course I wasn't there. I don't know what, I don't know what Jeff was saying to you. What, what do you understand that you're doing when you're detaching? I, I think I need to get an understanding of what you mean by that. Just, you know, not, you know, not, not feeling the need to, to talk to her, you know, you know, every day, um, not feeling the need to, you know, I mean, you think about it, you, you know, that she's been in my life for 25 years and that's the, that's the person that you would think that you would go to and talk about something, right? Uh, that happens, and uh, you know, I I don't think that that's where I should be right now. Um, she knows that you know she can kind of do whatever she wants, and then I'm I'm going to be there to kind of pick up the pieces. And she doesn't really think that in her mind that you know whatever she does is going to be like I'm going to take her back no matter what. You know, right. Right. Okay. All right. I'm I'm beginning to understand now, and that makes sense because if a person thinks that no matter what I do, you'll be there waiting on me. You know, that, that doesn't help. So I agree with that. But detaching doesn't mean, at least in my understanding, detaching doesn't mean that the emotions stop, nor does it mean that the communication stops. Now, if the communication is like you're trying to pursue her and you're calling her all the time and, and et cetera, et cetera, then in that case, I'd say, yeah, don't do that. We, we recommend to people don't do anything that makes the other person feel that you're pursuing because they tend to run further the other way or that you're trying to manipulate or control or whatever else. But if she's communicating with you and talking to you about things, it, as long as you're good to do that, in other words, it's not like something where you're saying, that's it, I'm done, I don't want to talk to you anymore. If you, if you want to talk to her and you're actually having communication, I would say, yeah, that's a good thing because that's not you pursuing her. That's not you pushing her, forcing her. That's you communicating with her. Now, no, I've, if, I've been pursuing her. Okay. I've been pursuing right. her. She's not pursuing, but if she can she's not you pursuing to, me. Well, she invited she you did. to Thanksgiving dinner for some reason. What do you think that's about? Um, I think she wanted to make it somewhat normal for my daughter. Um, oh, okay. You know? Is that okay with you? Yeah. You know, she's, she's moved on in her head. I mean, she's, she's, she wants, you know, me to sign the divorce like yesterday, you know? Right. I understand. Um, but it's okay with you to do I something th- for the sake of your daughter is what you're saying. I think that's good. Yeah. Right. But I was just like, how can we have this kind of time and just can't figure this out, but maybe we'll figure it out down the road. I don't know. I, I, don't know. I hope and pray that you do. I mean, I really hope and pray that you do. Sometimes you just never know why a person's doing what they're doing. What, and I'm glad you did 
have the ability to communicate and interact with each other in a good way while you're in Nashville. That's a good thing. I'm glad that happened. Uh, and I hope that you can have that somewhere down the road. But in the sense of not pursuing, backing off, letting go, yeah, that makes sense. Also, at the same time, though, doing something that gives your child some more normalization, some uh, peace of mind. I mean, any I, you love your child, right? So yes. that's what a dad. That's what a dad does. I don't see anything wrong in that. Now, the the downside for you is it might make you even more miserable by thinking about what you don't have. So that's a downside for you. But if you're willing to do it, particularly for the sake of your daughter, I think it's a noble thing to do. That's my opinion. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I want to do it, you know. But then mm-hmm. that's. It's not. I want. I want it to be with both of them. You know, right, right. <laughs> well, try not, try not, if you can help it. I mean, we're all human, but try not to read too much into it about, about your wife. If you can help it, try to focus right. on your daughter, if you can, so that you don't have hurt any more than you have to hurt my friend, you know? Right. All right. Well, I appreciate everything you guys did for us. And, uh, you know, who knows, you know, who knows? The road. Sometimes, you took, sometimes you took three years. Yeah, but sometimes those seeds, sometimes they come up, sometimes they come up when you least expect them. And we had a couple in the last workshop and uh, the gentleman hardly uh, interacted with us at all. And at the end of the things, all his wife, I came, therefore you will sign the divorce papers as you agreed. And uh, even as late as last week, it was like, okay, let's tell the children. And then boom, all of a sudden he invites her to lunch and says, what the heck am I doing? Let's put this marriage back together. And, and just, I mean, out of the blue, when it seemed like there was no hope, you know, something, right. somehow it just finally blossomed and, and now they're seeking the right kind of help to help them go from where they are now. And so I'm not trying to give you false hope. Please don't misunderstand. But, but sometimes those seeds do come up later, a week later, a month later, a year later. Again, I don't want you to take false hope from that, but at the same time, know that, you just don't know what's the future going to be. Now do the what's best for you. And in the sense of what Jeff was saying, and now that I understand it, yes, you know, don't pursue, don't push, but well, well he's, do like, don't ask, do he's like, don't answer another text. He's like, <laughs> uh, you know, he's like nope. He goes, don't answer another text. He's like, well, I, just, uh, he says, if she has a question, tell her, tell her, I said, you can't answer another text, but uh, you got to call. She has to call you. No, that's good. That's a good plan. I like that. <laughs> if that feels yeah. comfortable, if that feels right to you. Now, if you if you want to answer the text, answer the text. Just like everybody else, you know, Jeff and I can give our suggestions, but you have to decide what's best for you. Okay? Right. All right, my All right. friend. I appreciate it. All right. Okay, you take care. All right. All right, bye-bye. Okay, now we're going to area code 615. Hello, area code 615. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, my name is Good. Lori. Lori, and I—I I was involved in an emotional affair with my husband's brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. So I don't have an inkling of what to do about my poor in-laws. Of course, my sister-in-law included. I don't know if I need to make uh, an apology to them so that we can all come together at the end of next year, or if. When do I talk to them? My husband and I are still obviously trying to work this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in crisis mode. 
obviously, but um, uh, there's not just Christmas with my babies. There's a baby on the way. Um, my husband and I are expecting in the mm-hmm. summer. So there's Father's Day, Mother's Day, birthdays. I mean, it's just right. the only reason that their family gets together. And uh, I've blown it for everybody. Well, so I, I don't know I what did to that. do. I did sake. that a few years ago. <laughs> I've been right where you are. I, I did that. It was, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a, probably older than you. This was back in the 1980s. And, and I actually left my wife for another woman and divorced my wife and was gone for three years. And then when we tried to put it back together, you can imagine how her parents and siblings and friends all felt about me. So I understand where you are. I have been there. Now, let me ask you a question or two, if I may. They, they all know about it already. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, everyone knows now. And, and how do they know about it? How do they find out? Um, my my husband's brother-in-law told his wife, and um, his wife informed my husband's parents. Okay. All, all right. the same night, and I had already told my husband a week prior, so okay. he had to hold yeah. on to it a while. Right, I understand. Now, have you been around the parents since that time? No, I have not. Okay, and I'm assuming you haven't been around. I'm assuming you haven't been around your brother or sister since that time either. Um, my husband's sister, you mean? My sister-in-law? No. Okay, right. So it's confusing. So I'm sorry. Any... I'm sorry. It's just confusing. Uh, oh, sure. No, I have. I haven't been around. Um, I haven't been around the brother-in-law or his wife right. since. No. I understand. I get it. I do. Okay. Now, is your husband willing to work this out with you? He he is. Uh, we've Good. been separated this week, but we've just come together with the um, the understanding that we're going to try. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. If... Um, you, you may want to check some of our resources on our webpage, marriagehelper.com. That's like marriagehelper.com, marriagehelper.com. You might can yes, find some articles. that's how I found this radio show, and I'm Good. so grateful. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, we have some, hopefully some things on there will help. Of course, if, if you want to come to our workshop, we'll work with you that way if you choose to do that. There are some, uh, I'm seeing that you're a code 615, so I'm assuming you're somewhere around Middle Tennessee. There are good yes. counselors in the area if you want to know about some of those, et cetera. Here's my suggestion, Esta, and, and uh, it's going to be a little bit difficult because the holidays are upon us. But the first thing to do is to work on the thing with your husband. I mean, to, to work this out, to fix it. That's step number one. And as you're doing that, when it comes time that you will be around the other people, like, you know, his parents, et cetera, then the best thing to do is, is to have a discussion with your husband about, okay, how are we going to handle this? Now, until you really begin to resolve some of your issues, he's probably not going to have a good answer for that because he, I can, I can imagine a hundred different answers. He might get to that question and about 50 of those would be bad. And so, so the really, and, and again, the complication here, of course, is that Thanksgiving's this week, but if you possibly can work on the marriage first, and then when you can actually talk to each other rationally and you know that the marriage is getting stable again and that you're going to make it, to say, okay, you know, how do you want me to handle this? Do you want me to go to your parents and tell them how sorry I am for what I did? Is that what you want me to do? Or would you prefer I handle it some other way? 
I'm assuming that he's not going to want you to be around the brother-in-law, but obviously since you're all family, that's going to be a difficult thing to do. That's the kind of thing that a really good counselor can help you think through. Or if you come to our workshop, we'll be glad to help you think through about how do you do that. Let me tell you ultimately how Alice did it. I'm not saying that your husband will do it the same way, but just to give you an example of how this works. When, when Alice decided to take me back, her family was thoroughly against it. I mean, her parents, her siblings, like, no, 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 don't, you know, don't do that. All of her friends, even the church leaders that she went to and talked to, no, don't take him back, you know, after what he's done. But she decided to do it anyway against all their advice. And so then she went to her family and she sat down with them and, and she was very calm, but she was very strong. I mean, she loves them, so obviously it wasn't a harsh situation, but she was the one who sat down with her family and said, I have decided to take Joe back. I need you to respect that. I need you to treat him with respect and kindness when he's around. I don't want this to be harsh at all. Now, do that for me. And because she asked them to, they did. And therefore, I I wound up never having to, uh, I say having to, that's the wrong phrase, because Alice was not wanting me to do it. I wound up never actually... Um, formally asking her family to forgive me, saying, I'm so very sorry for what I did. Please forgive me for what I did. I would have been happy to do so, would have been happy to do so. And if Alice had asked me to do it that way, I would have. But it never happened because she did all that for me. (laughs) And she made it where we can go back. Now, your husband may not want to do it that way. There are other ways to do it. But he definitely will have to be involved because because he is the blood kin, if you will, and so one way or the other. And that's why it's really important that you work on solving the marriage problems first. Can I ask another question? Sure, you can. Um, I don't want to take anyone else's time, but I just struggle because I was very, am very good friends with the brother-in-law family, um, and that friendship, I feel, has to be put on hold indefinitely, maybe dissolved. Yes. And I I have, uh, his, his mother contacted me, and I apologized to her. But I, I've already sent them a card and said basically goodbye. Thank you for your friendship. I see that as being so very strong. I know that had to hurt. I mean, you just said that you had a good relationship with them. There was a lot of things going on there. For you to do what you just said you did says a whole lot about you. I'm I'm sorry that you got emotionally involved with him. That shouldn't have happened. You know that. But I am so very impressed with the strength you had to say that to her because I know that had to be hard. And you are probably right. And again, this will have a lot to do with what your husband has to say, but Nearly every situation we deal with like this, as a matter of fact, there's, if there's an exception, I don't remember it. It would be where it would be. It won't be a good thing for you to be involved with anything to do with your your brother or his brother-in-law, because that's just going to create doubts and worries and anxieties, and that that's just not going to be a good thing. Unfortunately, and it happened to me. It happened to me. There are consequences when we wind up doing things we shouldn't do. And you wind up losing some friendships. You wind up losing some. It's painful to lose the things. But what I heard from you a minute ago 
is that you're you're accepting responsibility and that you're doing the right things now. And so, yes, you'll loosen things. And I'm so sorry for that. I'm so very sorry for that. But at the same time, I admire the strength that you have. And and it's not going to take the pain away. The fact that you're this strong is not going to make it hurt less. What it means is that you're going to do the right thing all the way through now. You may need a little guidance about what is the right thing to do. But but I'm I'm hearing a woman that's going to do the right thing. And that means that uh, some of your husband's willing to work it out. That you guys are going to actually will down the line, not tomorrow, but down the line, you're going to have a better marriage than you had before. Not because of what you did, but but because of the wake-up call and the things you're both going to learn about each other and yourselves, that you'll actually have a better relationship in the future. But I'm sorry for the pain now. I'm sorry for the things you're going to have to go through. I admire the fact that you have the strength to do it. And and, and if, you, if we can help, we will. Or if you want to contact us by email and say we'd rather do a marriage counselor in Middle Tennessee or wherever you are, we'll do our best to help you find one there that we think has, you know, that we believe in. And... Mm-hmm. <sighs> But yeah, you probably are going to lose a relationship with that family, and I'm so sorry. I'm so That's sorry. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Okay. Have a good evening. Uh, my heart breaks for the pain, and just so much does. I'm so sorry. Okay, we are now going to go to. Let's see here. I just want to see. Looking down through, Kimberly, you're still there. Okay. Yes, I'm still here. <laughs> uh, I, 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 you know, we're already we're running out of time here. We don't have that much time left, and I've got a, two more callers are going to try to get to. What would you like to say at this point? Well, um, you're, you're hitting me off guard. But oh, I'm sorry about that. But I, I thought you were going to say something about Black Friday. Was I? Did I, did I misinterpret that? Oh. I can't. My yeah, I'm in the middle of finishing all that up right now. Um, Black Friday, we're actually doing a special, and we're going to be doing the Save My Marriage course with the. So that's the ten week online course, and that's for the person standing for their marriage. Because a lot of times, probably ninety percent of the time, the people that call us say, "I'm the one who wants to save my marriage, but I can't get my spouse to go." do anything with me. So we've created something for you and it's the Save My Marriage course and it is awesome. It's um you can ask if you're in the Save My Marriage big group on Facebook, you can ask people in there what their experience has been about it. I have no doubt that it will all be positive. But um basically it's it's a community but it's also a, a course that you go through and we teach you not only how to re-engage your spouse in your marriage, but we also teach you how to regain your confidence and work on yourself and make yourself strong again. And um, and and what and what you pay for the course, you it gets applied to the Marriage Helper 911 workshop in the future. So it's kind of like a just like a step in the right direction. Um, and so for Black Friday, we're going to be doing that. Plus, you'll get the Marriage Recovery Video Series, which is the video series that we have and just revamped for the spouse who has been hurt by the affair. And then we're also giving the Decision Point Video Series away with that as well. And that's for the spouse who's trying to choose between the lover and the spouse. So if uh, some people might be thinking, well, I don't need both of those. My, my husband's the one that had the affair, so why would I need Decision Point? Great question. 
So this is pretty much the ultimate toolkit is what I'm calling it because you have the the Save My Marriage course, which is for no matter what has affected your marriage, and that goes into depth about all of that stuff. But then you also have the marriage recovery course, which is for you. And then you have the decision point course for when your spouse starts to waver or for if your spouse starts to um, it's, agrees that he'll watch the video series. It's done. Joe does the course or, or that video series. And of course, as all of you know, Joe is really great at connecting with people at whatever level they are at. So he takes his own personal experience. He talks to the person that's in the affair as compassionately as he talks to the people on the radio show. And that video series alone has helped a lot of people agree to come to the workshop. It's even gotten people to agree to end their affair and start working on the marriage. So it's, it's really that whole toolkit that you need. And we're doing all of those for just the price of the Save My Marriage course. And after November 30th, that will no longer be offered. We're going to be separating all of those out um, and, actually, and doing them all separately. It's actually quite a savings there that you're offering, Kimberly. That's really, I mean, yeah. wow. It you really is. You save $593 because you get the credit towards the workshop, plus you get marriage recovery and decision point for free. So it's a total savings of $593. So how much do they, do they actually pay then? And I'm, I'm, if I were here, if I'm really saying, I could say, if it's going to save me $593, you are going to charge me 1000 But that's not what you're saying, is no, it? No, it's only $399. Wow. And they actually save 500 like, that's amazing. Okay, so so to find out about that, people should uh, email at like ask Joe at marriagehelper dot com, or where should they email? Yeah, they can email there. But starting on Friday, we're going to be sending out emails about it. Um, it's kind of a lengthy a lengthy address. The site is up, but it's marriagehelper dot com. Uh, it's really long. The slash save dash my dash marriage dash program dash information dash black. Yeah, that's way too long. So let's do this. <laughs> Just email us at ask Joe. That's A S K J O E. Ask Joe at marriage helper. That's marriage help E R marriage helper dot com. And just say, hey, I want that uh, black. Tell me about that Black Friday deal, and and we can send it to him. Would that is that fair? Is that okay? Oh yeah, that's perfect. Okay, so that's quite a deal trying to help you with your marriage. We are a nonprofit, and therefore that's why we can do things so much less expensively than others. And we wish to help you with your marriage. Kimberly, I really appreciate you explaining that. And that's just ask Joe at marriagehelper.com if you want to know more. If you're on our email list, you'll be getting something about it on Friday. And uh, I've got a couple of more calls here, Kimberly. So anything else you want to say before I go to those? That's all. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. If you're ready, if you're ready to go on to bed, feel free. I'm going to take these other calls, okay? All right. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Okay, we're going to area code 319. Hello, area code 319. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, Joe. This is Tammy um, from Iowa. I had talked to you before a couple of times. How are you doing um, this evening? How are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you? I'm getting there. Are you, is that your uh, computer in the background that I'm hearing? or? Well, I, I have you on um, speaker, and I will, yeah, I will take you off. Um, <laughs> good, good. Because when I listen to myself, it confuses me. Um, I was me. listening on speaker, and <laughs> yeah, I was taking you off there. 
Okay, um, good. That, that feedback confuses me. Thank you very much. So how can we help you this evening? Um, I, I have a question about Thanksgiving. Um, my husband left um, uh, in 2014, July, and um, so he's been gone about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hasn't come around a whole lot. Um, we have three children living in the home. Um, he, uh, is still financially paying. Um, but, uh, yesterday I received papers in the mail for dissolution. Um, thank you. It was a shock. Um, but I, I knew that it could happen. It was a possibility. Um, the funny thing was that they were dated. He signed it October 2nd. And um, we hadn't seen him the in, almost the entire summer. He he didn't see us all summer long. And um, he, October 3rd, he wanted to get together with us. And so uh, we met, all, me and the, I have three, three, three children, and mm-hmm. we met at a restaurant. And we sat there with him and talked for three hours. And he seemed to enjoy his time with us. However, it was the very next day, and I didn't realize that until I looked at the date on the papers today, that it was October 2nd, and on October 3rd, he, he wanted to get together with us, and, and when, he, when we saw him, he looked absolutely terrible. Um, he looked like he hadn't shaved in two days. His breath stunk. He was wearing, you know, kind of frumpy clothes. Um, he, he was just emotionally down. And so this obviously was the day after he had, had, uh, uh, signed these papers to be filed. Um, and of course that I didn't get them till, till yesterday. He had held on to them, uh, the whole month of October and now the most of November. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, um, I had planned on, um, uh, sending him a text and inviting him um, to come to the house and spend Thanksgiving with uh, me and the girls. Um, I don't know whether I should do that now. Um, he, he was over. Uh, the weird thing is, is he was over about uh, three weeks ago. He came over to to get something from the house, mm-hmm. and um, he was with a friend, uh, a, a guy. He had come with him, and. Um, he and my husband seemed very um awkward and uh kind of angry and down um I do know he'd been dealing with depression for quite a few many few years yeah it sounds um, like it mm-hmm. and um and he 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 had saw that something that we had done that we had painted a room, and he was like, "Oh, I really like that, I really like that." And, and, and it was kind of funny, uh, because he's kind of emotionally unbalanced. And, and then he mentioned he wanted to get together and see the girls. And I said, okay, sure, we can do that. Do you want to do that this week? Oh, no, I can't do that this week. And I can't do that. And so that was dropped and they didn't want to see, he hadn't talked to us at all. Um, it's just awkward behavior. Um, he, he had been paying our bills and he still had, and, um, I asked for a specific amount, um, and he, he put it in the checking account. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had invited him like two weeks ago to see the girls. And, uh, he said, 
I had to send him a text and said, do you want to get together with us at such and such a time? I didn't hear from him until the following day, and he just sent me a text saying, I'm sorry, I wasn't feeling good yesterday. I just said, I'm sorry, I hope you're feeling better. And um, so I was planning on inviting him to Thanksgiving just to spend time with the girls. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, now I don't know what to do. Um, now yeah. I have to find an attorney. Yeah, you definitely will have to do that. May I ask you a question or two? Because, Tammy, forgive me, I don't always remember the situations. Is he is he involved with someone else or involved in something like alcohol? I mean, what what's the basic issue? Yeah, there? from what I um, – yeah, he – he had some issues. I know he had an OWI um, and um, and some other, um, yeah, male issues. Not, I don't know if there was anybody involved. Um, he's never shown signs of being involved with anybody, mm-hmm. um, but it's the other Internet stuff. Okay. Um, you kind of that he admitted you said, to. He admitted said, to that. Did you say OWI? Is that what you said? Yes. I don't know what that uh, means. Help me here. Oh, um, hang on just a second. Um, that's um, operating while driving under the influence. Oh, okay. So it's like we would call it. Yeah. Sorry. We call yeah, it different down here in our, and, in our state. No, yeah, number problem. Yeah. Okay. And, and also he admitted to having issues with um, internet and with pornography. And he basically said that at the time that when he left, that he basically admitted to that was why he was leaving. Um, So as far as you know, there's not another um, person, but but he's an Well, it's a possibility. It's a possibility that there is. Okay. But um, uh, he looks like crap. He looks terrible. Well, I don't know how he could or who anybody would want to be with him. Well, that's because, that's actually a good point you just made. If If he's looking like that, that typically – now, of course – you know, I don't know the exact situation. I don't know your husband. So all I can do is talk about typical. But typically when a person is that um, physically disoriented, you have to say bad breath, trumpy clothes, et cetera, that typically is a sign that they're not currently involved with somebody else. Now, it doesn't mean that they may not be emotionally wanting to be involved with somebody else. So let me, let me see if I can illustrate. And I'm not, I'm not trying to put bad pictures in your brain. I'm just trying to help you understand some things here. Uh, I, many years ago, back, you know, a long time ago, I left my wife for another woman. Uh, by the grace of God, my wife and I finally put it back together and we've been married happily for many years now. But, but when that other woman finally left me, then I, people would have described me the way you just described your husband. That That's that he, what I think may have happened. That's, that's a good possibility, but it also sounds as if that he has some addiction problems, particularly because of the porn yeah. and, uh, and et cetera. So think about it this way. Even if he was involved with another person, the signs are that she's not there now. That's what the signs indicate. And either way, you're still basically, the basic issue you have here is an addict. And if there was somebody else, think of that as an addiction as well. So the question becomes this. You know, the, the you can't help, you can't force an addict to quit being an addict unless you do something such as an intervention. But a spouse can't do an intervention. It has to be done by other people in his world who can bring about negative consequences. If you ever want to know more about that, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it right now, but if you ever want to know more about that, you go to marriagehelper.com, our website, marriagehelper.com, and, and there's actually... Uh, 
a, a booklet on there, an ebook about how to do an intervention. If you ever think that there are people in his world that will do it for him, but it can't be done by a spouse. Now let's come back to the issue then about, about uh, the fact that he finally filed. It's interesting that he was cited on the second and be with you on the third. What that sounds like that he had some doubts. That's what it sounds like. Now I can't tell you for sure. And then the fact that he held him for so long indicates that he really had a lot of vacillation about that, a whole lot of vacillation. So what would finally get him or prompt him to go ahead and send them to you now? It could be a hundred different things. It could be the fact that the holidays are, are coming up right away. It could be that maybe one of his buddies said, oh, man, go ahead and get this over with. It could be, you know, it could be anything that made him do it now. So the real question is this. You know that you're that the man you're talking about, and apparently you still love this guy, right? Absolutely. I pray yeah. for him every day. Good for you. So the man that you love is an addict. And the question is, should I invite this addict over? Even though he's wanting to divorce me, should I have him over for Thanksgiving? What does your heart say? I don't know. Um, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to, but I'm afraid that in doing so, he might use it against me in a divorce saying, like, I should get more custody of my kids because she wants me to be around them. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I don't want to look yeah. like a doormat. I'm trying to pull away and give him his space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, sure I, I have no idea, Joe. I am so tossed and turned like, with this. You don't sound like a doormat. <laughs> to me, you sound like a very strong person. Now, I know you may not feel that way, but to me, you sound <laughs> like a very strong person. You really do. I hate the fact oh, that you've got you. to go to the attorney, but obviously, you know, you need to. And, and mm -hmm. I can understand your vacillation on this. I mean, really can. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an attorney, but I don't, I don't see how he could use that to get more time with the children or really don't. Because if you get a good lawyer mm -hmm. and if your husband is indeed having problems with alcohol and things like that, I mean, a good mm -hmm. lawyer is going to show the judge, Hey, this guy got, got arrested for driving when he shouldn't have been. And, and the judge is going to look at that and go, if there, if you're still doing that, I'm not going to let these kids be around you. There's a couple that I've worked with that right here in middle Tennessee and, and because of his addictions and his kids are teenagers because of his addictions, the judge won't let him have any visitation with them. None because the judge, unless the judge is just nuts, the judge is going to look at the welfare of the children. Mm -hmm. And, and if you have a sharp attorney, and I don't even think he's, I don't even think he's emotionally capable of caring for them. He may not psychologically. He I don't believe be. he is. I don't, well, see, if you get a good attorney, your attorney will check on all those things. Let's look at the records. Let's uh, let's re let's ask for a psychological evaluation. I mean, a good attorney yes. will do all of those things. And I will ask so, that. yeah, get you a good attorney. I mean, ask I around, find out people who have had experience. Make sure you get one who's a good gladiator, because because you, when you're dealing with an addict, creating negative consequences is a good thing. Now, I am an addict, and I'm a recovering addict, so I'm, I'm speaking from being where your husband was, okay, or where your husband is. I've been there, and, and so when you deal with an addict, you want the lawyer to be just mean, not, not because you're trying to get vengeance, but because the more negative consequences you create, the greater the likelihood of the addict hitting bottom and finally getting help. So it's not because you're trying to hurt him. It's because you're actually trying to help him, and, and exactly. so – 
get you a good gladiator attorney, uh, preferably a female one who would understand you. I've, I've got one recommended good. to me. Um, good. Yes. Um, so what, what would be the pros and cons of, of me asking or not asking? Um, okay. In my I don't opinion, know if he would even accept. <laughs> he may not. All I can give you is my opinion. The opinion would be that if, if he's going through the things I think he's going through, and again, I'm just guessing, then, then the fact of somebody inviting him to an actual you know, home-cooked meal with his kids and his wife uh, actually could be a very good thing in the sense of what the heck am I doing? You know, look what I'm losing. That's one of the good possibilities that, that it would kind of make him just kind of a jar him a little bit because here, here are my children. Here's my wife. Here's this home-cooked meal. This is what I'm living up. This is what I'm losing. That can be a good thing. On the same note, interestingly, there's a negative side to it because on the same note, there can be the situation of, uh, man, I have really screwed up. I've messed up everything. I've, the best thing I can do is get out of their life. So it could go either uh-huh. of those two ways. It could actually go either of those two ways. That's why I'm saying do what's in your heart. Don't try to second guess it. Don't try to figure out what the consequences are going to be because who knows? I mean, who knows? Uh-huh. If you were doing certain uh-huh. things, we could say, yeah, we can predict this consequence. But in the, guy, in the situation he's in, I don't know that we can predict those consequences or results. I don't know that we can predict uh-huh. it. Therefore, uh-huh. I'm saying whatever your heart feels right about, I think it's okay. I really uh-huh. do, no matter uh-huh. how it turns out. So if I choose to invite, how do I, how do I pose that to him? Um, Just say, uh, make it simple, short. Hey, we're having Thanksgiving dinner. Would you like to come? Glad to have you if you want to be here. Girls would love to see you. Boom, boom. That's it. Okay. And don't say anything about the uh, papers at all. I wouldn't. No, you do what you think is right. You know, follow your heart here. But I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't at all. And and uh, and then pray because obviously you're a praying person that if he does come, mm-hmm. that it has that first consequence of what the heck am I doing? But don't beat yourself up if it has the second consequence where he goes, you know, I don't deserve this. I got to get out of here because I'm a bad guy. If that happens, that's not your fault, and you didn't make anything any worse. Trust me, you really didn't. I have I would been think where the he worst is. would be that he would just not respond to my text. That's possible. He would, and if he doesn't remember, you're dealing with an addict. Try if you can not to take it personally. You're dealing with an addict. Okay. I admire your so strength. So my friend lady. doesn't want me to. Well, my friend doesn't want me to invite him. Yeah. Well, I don't think that our friends should make our decisions. <laughs> That's why even we on this program, you know, we try to be objective, try to be third parties. Even we always say, you do what you think is best. We'll give our opinions and our suggestions, but the decision is yours. And I think in this situation, in my opinion, you do what you think is best. I'm impressed with you. You do what Would you, you think have, is if, best. If your wife had invited you, would you have gone or what would have been your, yes, your thoughts at that time? You would have gone. Mm-hmm. It was the kind of strength that she showed and, and the fact that she was calm and, you know, and she, she, she definitely okay. was not a doormat. She did some things that really made me mad, but in the long run, they really developed a lot of respect for her. Like, you know, this, this woman, uh, she knows how to stand up for herself and her children. And it actually worked out good in the long run. So yes, I would have. I definitely would have. Okay. But I don't know okay. what he would. All right. Do. All right. You have yeah. a good evening. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. You're very welcome. Take play. All right. We're going to take our last call for the night because we're just about out of time. Area code 309. You've been holding a long time, 309. How can we help you this evening? Hello, Joe. This is Deanna. 
Hi, Deanna. And How can we help you tonight? My, my question is, um, I'm trying to get a just on how to get my husband to attend the conference. So mm-hmm. let me give you a little background here. Um, we've been married for 22 years. I have a 20-year-old daughter, 18-year-old son. Um, my husband had an affair. We went to counseling after that. Um, I don't think anything ever really got resolved after that. Um, just didn't have the best counseling match looking back at it. Um, my husband has had repeated affairs with her. I don't know if they were physical, if they were emotional, but I saw text. Um, and we went to counseling again at that point. Um, and I, I let us quit. <laughs> it, it wasn't working. Um, I kind of let my husband off the hook. He was, our homework for the one session was that he was supposed to write me an apology letter and I knew someone forcing him to do something wasn't going to be happening. And I just, it was the day before the appointment, and I canceled it because he said he didn't want to go. And so we kind of got it after that. Then to fast forward to recently, um, not quite a year ago, the other woman, and she was a friend of mine, um, her son committed suicide from depression. So my husband feels very guilty for that. Um, so that I think complicates this whole situation. The bottom line is he moved out um, at the beginning of October. Um, I started a new job. You know, I'm getting used to um, my youngest being away at college now. So we're, we're in that new season of being empty nesters, and he moved out. Um, and he told me he was going to wait because I was stressed, he said he would wait until after the holidays to file with an attorney. Um, But I do know that he's gone at least one time for mediation without me, and I think he's gone twice now. Um, But to get him to the conference, I sent him an email. Um, You know, I watched all your videos, um, went in as best I could. I thought I wrote a really good letter, um, sent him the link to the Reluctant Spouse video, um, and I said, in exchange for this, um, our family was planning on taking a vacation instead of going, or instead of Christmas presents, we were just going to do a family vacation. And he had been saying we didn't have money to go, that kind of thing. And I said, well, if you go to the conference, I will tell the kids it's, you know, my responsibility is, you know, because of mom, we're not going to go on vacation because the marriage is more important. Um, and he just sent me an email back and said he was not interested, and if he changed his mind, he would let me know. That was a couple weeks ago. Um, I've been watching the videos more. I decided to have my 20-year-old daughter ask him um, because they have a really good relationship, and I was really hoping that he wouldn't say no to his daughter. Um and he just told her he would think about it. He really didn't say. Um, so I'm trying to see if there are any other tips on how to get him to go. I, The one thing that my daughter suggested is maybe I just need to tell him, you know, because I think he's feeling like we've tried counseling before and it hasn't worked, so why will this counseling work? Um, and so she, my daughter said, maybe you just tell him this is it we'll go through this, and if it doesn't work out, then I'll go ahead and agree to mediation and we can get started. 
the only problem with that is I just, I hesitate because I just can't imagine me saying that I would agree to a, a divorce. You know, it's just mm-hmm. one of those things that's been off the plate for me since before I got married. You know, I always, I talked to him about that before we got married mm-hmm. saying I would never get divorced. This family is the most important thing in the world to me. Right. So I just think I'm still at that overwhelmed stage that I'm even in this situation and the divorce word is in my vocabulary, you know, so much. Right. Well, I understand what you're saying. First of all, um, the fact that his daughter has the strength to ask him, that's, that's, that's a good thing, I think. And maybe he will listen to her. Maybe he will. I hope that he does. When she said, you know, basically what she was saying was, is there something you could swap? If there's something you could trade? And we do have a lot of couples that come to our workshop where the, the one who wanted to come said to the reluctant spouse, if you come, I will agree to the divorce. Now, I'm not saying that you should do that. I'm just saying that there are couples who come to that, that actually do that. We tell people, if you're going to make that offer, you've got to be ready for your marriage to be over. Because if you make that offer, and while our success rate, by the grace of God, for many, many years now, has been three out of four couples. Three out of four couples actually stay together. They work out their marriage. They stay together. And that's a pretty significant thing based on the kind of situations that walk through the door at our workshop. So, but that's still not a 100% chance. That's only a 75% chance. And therefore, there's a 25% chance, statistically speaking, that if you say, I'll sign the divorce papers or I'll agree to mediation or whatever it might be, if you come to the workshop, there's a one out of four chance that that's exactly what you're going to have to do. And if that's the promise you make, then that's what you need to do. Uh, therefore, if you're not comfortable with that, if you don't want to do that, if you're saying, no, nope, no, that's not who I am, that's not what I'm going to do, then definitely don't do that. On the other hand, if you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm ready to to make that kind of risk uh, because I think that this is our last shot. Therefore I'm going to make that kind of risk because I think ultimately he's going to want to divorce me anyway. So I'm going to make the last shot. Then that case do it. Now, if there are some other things out there you could swap, then maybe you need to consider that rather than mediation. Uh, And I don't know what those things would be, but I mean, like um, you can pay me, 25% 25% less on alimony if you go to the workshop. Or I'm, I'm, I'm just coming up with things on my head here. I mean, I don't know your situation. I don't know what's important to you. And so if you don't want to, if you don't want to swap the mediation, then is there something else that he wants that you can swap? Um, I've seen many couples do it. And uh, most of them, three out of four of them on average, they wind up saving the marriage. And so it turned out to be a good risk. But about one out of four. How about one out of four? They, you know, like, okay, thank you. I'm glad that you said that. Now we're going to do what you said you were going to do, and we're going to divorce. Uh, I see that as well. That does happen. And so you can't come with the idea of, oh, I can promise that, but I don't have to worry about it. We're going to fix the marriage. You've got to be reasonable and rational and think. So is there anything else you could swap, anything else at all, that you could trade? If you do this, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll have to think about that. Like, I'm from Illinois, and so right now we're struggling. Um, I have a rear-wheel drive car, and my daughter and my husband both have front-wheel drive cars. Well, my daughter has her car down at college, and, you know, usually between our family of four, we could get away with just having two cars that can drive in the winter when it snows and when it's icy. Um, And I'm struggling because... I asked him to switch cars while I picked up my son from college this past Friday. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday we got five inches of snow 
And so he had my car that I can't drive in the winter. He's living with his stepmom right now. Um, so I said, can you just keep that car and get a ride with her? Like, can she give you rides and stuff? Because that's what we used to do as a family, you know, we'd carpool and arrange rides, that kind of thing. Um, but he really, it's my car, it's my problem kind of thing, even though it's all of the cars are technically both of ours, but it's just that I have been driving that one and then I'm always going to get dropped mm-hmm. off at work and pick up. Um, right. So I could possibly use that. But I have a question. When when some people say, go ahead and give that offer of, um, I'll go ahead and agree to mediation, you know, do you say, um, do you give it like a month after we get back from the conference or two months after? Because I don't want it to be like, I want him to have time to think about what happens at the conference too, rather than mm-hmm. a right jump in. Right. And that's a good thing. That is a good point that you just made. Different couples do different things. The most common one we hear is when we get back, I'll sign the papers if you want to do it. Although I think it's much wiser to say 30 days after we get back, I will do it. That kind of thing. The, um, we had a couple come to the last workshop and I've, I've mentioned them earlier in this program. So forgive the redundancy. But they came to the workshop and he was with the deal. She said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll sign the papers. I'll agree to the divorce if you go to the workshop. And they came through and he did participate, but he was a little distant. He, he sat over there and just kind of looked at us like, okay, you know, get this thing over with. But he, he did participate, which was yeah. part of the, the thing. You can't, you can't just have your body show up. You actually have to participate. And he did. He did. Not enthusiastically, but he did. And then uh, the day they went home, she contacted me back and said, well, he said, okay, I did what you asked, and now I'll sign the divorce papers. She said, so I'm going to. I had a couple of more uh, contacts with her in, the, in the, the couple of weeks after the workshop. Okay, he's going to tell the kids tonight. Okay. And, and, of course, she was very sad. She was weeping, and, and it's over. And okay. And then out of the blue, Monday, I mean, talking about just yesterday, he asked her to lunch. She meets him, and he says, let's save this thing. Let's work this marriage out. And so they've contacted me about what do we do next? And so your point about the fact that let a little time go by before you actually sign the paper actually is very wise. Now, she was willing to sign the paper. He just didn't get it signed fast enough. And he finally came to the realization, I guess the seeds finally took root, you know, hey, let's save this thing. Let's do what we need to do. And so I think it's really actually very reasonable to say I would do it a month after or six weeks after. If you put it too far out, it probably doesn't become much of an enticement. But Right. Not doing it the very next day actually makes sense to me. Okay, that's good. So, yeah, I guess I'll have to try. I think I'm probably going to go with that option, just going for it. Well, if you do. Okay, if you do, please be aware that you, you know, be willing to follow through on what you said. So, so you're going to need some backbone to do that. Okay, but. You sound to me like a woman who's got some backbone. Well, unfortunately, I'm out of time. You take care. I hope everything works out for you. I really do. I'm going to have to close out Thank the program. You, I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you for calling. For all those who listened, if you tuned in saying, well, what happened about the stuff about how to survive the holidays? That was in the first 20 minutes of the program. You can listen later to marriageradio.com and hear the program there. Or you can always go to iTunes and subscribe to Marriage Radio. And there you can find all of our programs, including the one last week about how to stay positive. We did one recently on how to do mindfulness. 
And next week, the plan is we're going to do one about how to tell a good marriage counselor from one that's useless. <laughs> we actually believe in marriage counselors. There's some great ones out there. And there's some out there that are just not. And so uh, that's our plan for next week. That's what we want to do. How to tell the difference in a good, how to tell the difference between a good marriage counselor and one that's just useless. That'll be next week. Until then, this is Joe Beam and Kimberly Holmes, our, our executive director, saying good evening.